Welcome to Live in a Home That Pays You Back, the podcast for people who want to get the absolute most out of owning a home. Your host is Anna Simone, who explains how your home can be healthy, sustainable, and provide long-term security for you and your family. Anna's guests include technology leaders and innovators in the housing industry who share the kind of knowledge you need to meet the market with confidence. Make informed decisions about home construction, renovation, energy scores, water conservation, wind, solar, geothermal power, and lots more. It's time for you to live in a home that pays you back. Now here's your host, Anna Simone. Hello, everyone. This is Anna Simone. Today's podcast, we are speaking with Jason Earle, founder and CEO of Got Mold. And he is the creator of an at-home testing kit for people to find out if there is any mold in their house. Now, Jason left a successful career on Wall Street about 20 years ago after realizing that his moldy childhood home was the underlying cause of his asthma. Now, he's an adoring father of two kids in diapers, and he is a man on a mission and has personally performed countless sick building investigations. He's solved medical mysteries and has helped thousands of families recover their health and peace of mind. Jason has been featured or appeared on Good Morning America, The Dr. Oz Show, Extreme Makeover Home Edition, and more. I'm thrilled that he has the time to be with us today. Jason, welcome. Thank you for having me, Anna. Yeah. Okay. I was so impressed with your whole personal story, about how you get started, your background, your travels. So, and I'm sure our listeners would just be so enchanted by the story that you have to tell. And also, we want to hear a little bit about your dog, (laughs) or the dog Oreo. It's a nice story. So tell us. Oh, boy, Oreo. Yes, everyone loves to hear about Oreo. She's the high point, no doubt about it. So my story, as most of them do, begins at the beginning. And so if you rewind all the way back to my early childhood, I grew up on a small non-working farm in a little town outside of Princeton, New Jersey. And we were essentially in an animal adoption facility. We adopted every animal that my mom could get her hands on. And around the age of three or four years old, my parents noticed that I was having difficulty breathing and that I'd lost a lot of weight. So they took me to the pediatrician who said, you know, you really need to take him to Children's Hospital. This looks serious. And so that's what they did. And so about an hour away from my home, you know, it's a world-renowned respiratory clinic. They shuttled me down there. After uh, explaining family history and the symptoms that I was presenting with, they initially diagnosed me with cystic fibrosis. Ooh which of course is devastating diagnosis no matter what, but my father was particularly hit by it because he had lost four of his cousins to CF before the age of 14. Oh, no. So this was their worst nightmare. You know, I was their only child. So they cried for six weeks while they waited for a second opinion, which fortunately, and also evidenced by the fact that I sit here at 46 years old, actually (laughs) contradicted that initial diagnosis. They determined that I did not have CF, actually had asthma compounded by pneumonia, And I was allergic to every single thing that they tested me for. It was actually one of my formative memories that they put me in a papoose, like a straitjacket for toddlers. Oh, wow. And then they draw a grid on your back and or put a grid on your back and then and then test with these antigens. And my dad said I look like a ladybug. My back just swelled up red with (laughs) dots all over it. And so I lived on inhalers 
most of my childhood. And I mean, the things I was allergic to were so common. I mean, it was grass, wheat, corn, eggs, dogs, cats, even cotton. So my clothes itched my entire childhood. And I intuitively knew that there was something in the house because I really, I spent almost all my time outside. And just as a little boy, it, it was just, it was a natural thing. Of course, most kids like to be outside anyway, but for me, it was very dominant force, a dominant pull. So anyway, I lived like that until I was about 12, at which point my folks split up and sold that damp little farmhouse and all my symptoms went away. Really? And it wasn't instant, but it was as close to instant as you could imagine. And my family had chalked it up to just growing out of, my grandfather had grown out of his asthma. They called it a spontaneous adolescent remission. But, you know, I mean, this is typical with the medical community. Things heal and it's just they have no idea why it happened. They have no idea why it goes away. This is exactly one of those circumstances. That's an interesting start. Do you remember as a child seeing green or black fungus on the outside of of the foundation around the house? And except for having it smell damp, no one really noticed the potential that there was something happening inside the house. You know, I'm 46. The, this is this yeah. is the the awareness around mold has has is a very recent phenomenon. Um, mm. the, the idea that it could impact health is was was really only uh, known amongst uh, certain allergists. Uh, many of them, of course, know that allergies, mold, mold allergies, have been known forever. Um, but its impact, its ability to alter an immune system, to really truly uh, create. Uh, what, what what mold does, and I'll get back to the to, to the rest of the story. What mold will do is it will bring out latent symptom profiles. It will bring out autoimmune diseases. It will bring out oh. things that may be beneath the surface, and then oftentimes, depending upon how chronic and long term that exposure was, oftentimes absent that exposure, uh, or if the environment is 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 restored to a normal condition, those symptoms can often settle back down. And so, you know, mold, mold is uh, a great mimicker, but it's also the great aggravator. Um, yeah. and so it brings out things that, that were, that were latent. And so, um, so at, you know, my, my, my folks split up by the way, which was good for everybody involved. Uh, and so, uh, so, you know, I, I moved into a house that did not have the dampness, but yes, I mean, to answer your question, we, there was always water in the basement to some degree when it rained, there was a, there were puddles and leaks and the musty smell. And, and by the way, we'll talk about the musty smell because that is often dismissed as an aesthetic nuisance. Just as musty, yeah, it just smells like a basement. Yeah, I believe it, it. There, the evidence on this is very, very strong that the musty smell is a health hazard. It, the smell itself the chemicals that comprise that musty odor are, in fact, neurotoxic. This has been shown in animal studies. Mm. Uh, they, it causes mitochondrial damage and fruit flies, locomotive disorders. Uh, they stop producing dopamine. I'm talking about fruit flies. Um, they stop producing dopamine. They, they fl- fly down and set it to the light, and they stop reproducing. Essentially, they become depressed. And then also, uh, the, the researchers have characterized some of the symptoms as a Parkinsonian. So they actually develop uh, neurological disorders. Wow. And so this is not surprising to me, knowing what I've seen in 20 years doing inspections, uh, that the musty smell is, uh, it, it has a significant impact on people's immune systems. And so that musty smell was pervasive in our home. Well, well, it's funny you mentioned it has become to the attention of like the Environmental Protection Agency more recently because, you know, my whole background was, you know, fair lending and fair housing. And, you know, back in the 70s, a lot of the research that I did for the, you know, in, in my career was about the homeowner scams, the aluminum siding salesman coming up saying, you know, you know, we, we're going to do a job with the, the contractors. 
we're going to put more aluminum siding that you really didn't need on your house. So what we found out, especially on the South, is that where there were thousands and thousands of cases where children and families were getting really, really sick on these brand new homes. And so when HUD and the investigation started, what they found out was that all these new homes were being constructed with an oversized air conditioning system. Mm -hmm. So a house would have been like 2,000 square feet, and the HVAC system was powerful enough to cool 4,000 square feet. And when they lifted up all of the, you know, during the 70s and 80s, indoor carpeting, wall-to-wall carpeting was very common, you know, especially in the South where you don't have a lot of basements. And so what they found out was there was mold completely covering the floors underneath these carpets. But the children were getting sick. And you've got two kids now, so you know that, you know, even if you're testing your water, if you're testing your soil because you're a gardener, whether you're testing mold, you've got to remember that these toxins affect your little ones more than they affect us as adults. And so I'm a big fan of got mold. I'm a big fan of testing. And I think the whole at-home testing is absolutely wonderful. So, Jason, can you tell us a little bit more about um, your invention? (laughs) I think it's phenomenal. Yeah, your at-home testing kit. Well, so it's, I'll, I'll get I'll get us there by way of the the this little journey. So when I was oh, okay. when I when I when I uh, when we moved out and and um, and I suddenly got better. Um, shortly thereafter, my mother passed away. Actually, uh, interestingly, as I mentioned, the fruit flies cause uh, the fruit flies experienced essentially depression. Uh, my mother committed suicide when I was fourteen. Oh, and um, and I look back Horrible. at that now, and it's clear that that to me that the conditions in the home were a variable. Um, and so, oh. uh, of course, I didn't know this until recently, until this research starts coming out and starts connecting. I mean, the Brown University did a big study and found a direct correlation between mold and dampness indoors and depression in 2008. And so yeah. then there's the fruit fly study. And so there's, you know, there, this mold, mold typically is recognized as, a, as an upper respiratory irritant and an allergen and potentially a toxin, uh, in, or at least I should say could potentially cause toxic symptoms. Um, but but what, they're, what they're now honing in on is that mold actually produces psychiatric symptoms as well. Mold rage is known, is known uh, amongst those in the mold community, depression, things like that. Uh, and then yeah. a, a year after that, I had Lyme disease. Um, and then I was essentially forced to drop out of high school. Uh, and then I took a job working at the gas station and I got recruited from the gas station from a guy who worked on Wall Street and I became a young stockbroker. Um, and it's a story for another podcast, but um, but I, I ended up becoming a stockbroker at age 17 uh, with a Guinness World Record and um, for the wow. and, um, and did that for nine years. And had a great career. And then one day I woke up and I wasn't having fun anymore. I decided to go on walkabout and I sold everything that I owned. It's right after the dot-com bubble burst. And uh, while I was in Hawaii, I was reading a story about a guy who had uh, suffered from uh, mysterious illnesses. But he was working at a hotel that had uh, developed a huge mold problem. It was actually a headline-catching mold problem. At the end of the day, it was a $55 million mold remediation project oh. on Oahu, Waikiki Beach. And um, it's known as the Kalia Tower Project. And uh, I happened to be there in Hawaii when this was happening. And I read the articles and I was, and so th- I had a deja vu moment or a light bulb moment where I was like, wow, I wonder if that was what caused my problems. Because the story that this guy shared in these articles was that he had at 40 years old developed adult onset asthma and all these allergies and sensitivities that he 
he'd never had before. And so it was the exact opposite of me, right? Where I had developed, I had all these allergies and sensitivities, but they'd gone away absent this exposure. Because you moved so, out. <laughs> right. So I connected the dots and said, geez, I wonder, you know, this has got to be a problem that's affecting a lot of people. And in that moment, I became fascinated with the idea that buildings can impact our health in, 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 positive and negative ways, right? A building can either heal or it can make you ill. That was a new concept for me. And that's a that's an idea that that's pr- still gets me um, excited because it's an idea that's still new to so many people. Yeah, yeah. Well, healthy buildings is a big thing right now. And in, uh, you know, in my book, I talk, you know, my chapters on, you know, healthy homes. I do mention the Harvard studies about, you know, causing depression. And Jason, I just have to stop and tell you, you are so brave to share that story with us today on our, from all my listeners. I mean, you know, we all have our own issues in life. And I just think that there are thousands of people walking around, but all age groups that don't have any concept of how the air that they're breathing in their home and the pollutants and the toxins that are coming in you know, through their HVAC system or they're coming from the outside can be impairing their their mental clarity, their happiness, and their overall health. And it can even affect your pets. Oh, absolutely. I will let you get back to Oreo. Yeah, no, pets and kids have a disproportionate amount of impact because they're so close to the ground and they also breathe. We breathe uh, 13 to 15 times a minute, which comes out to about 20,000 times a day. Kids and, and, and pets breathe much faster. They have a faster respiratory rate, so they have a disproportionate amount of exposure. You have to think about every breath as a dose. Hmm. If you took a 20,000 doses of anything, that would be cumulative. And so whether you're breathing, air is neither is never neutral. Air is either life-affirming, nutritive, detoxifying, uh, and healthy, or it is uh, it is uh, toxifying uh, and energy sapping, and potentially the cause of of illness. Hmm. And so there is no neutral with air. You you either have good air or bad air. And so uh, so it's extremely important. And you're right. The kids and the and the kids and pets are disproportionately affected in a very significant way. They're all down on the ground and they're stirring that stuff up while they're walking around. Not only that, they also it eat something called incidental ingestion, where the particles, and it's not just mold, it's also the particles from building materials, the paints and the finishes on the floors and all these things that we build our buildings out of, which are chemical, basically we live in chemical boxes, that the, the tiny little particles that shed from the inside, inside surfaces of buildings and furniture and, uh, and uh, uh, finishes uh, become dust, become uh, very finely respirable dust, but also when kids and pets are, are crawling around, they, they eat it. And so there's studies that show that uh, the, on average, you can expect that children and pets will have as much as 100 milligrams a day of incidental ingestion of these particles. So it's not just mold. It's broader than that. Oh, yeah. Well, it's funny. I was researching lead paint poisoning in children where there were tens of thousands of cases. That's when I happened to come across the study about the mold that was underneath the carpets from the oversized systems because, well, you know, I did this research during a time, you know, before the internet was invented and I had to order a lot of studies and a lot of books and actually read them. And um, the whole topic that I was reading about was children under five. And then then the United States developed the laws about lead paint. Thank goodness. And uh, it was really, it was really sad what was happening. And then of course, you know, you know, you reap you reap a formaldehyde foam insulation and asbestos and all of the types of 
toxic chemicals that were used in building materials that were causing the volatile organic chemicals called the VOCs. It's only been, like you said, Jason, it's been a recent thing. It's only been the past 20, 30, and 40 years where the building codes in America have been strengthened, you know, little, you know, bit by bit to control and eliminate these problems. Yes, and we've got a long way to go, though. I will tell you this. We, we, we really do when it I comes agree. to those things. So, I agree. So circling back to, to I'm in Hawaii, and I, and, I, uh, and I had this epiphany, and I decided that I'm going to come back to New York, uh, New Jersey, and I'm going to uh, take a job. I'm going I'm I'm to find a company to work with, and I am taking a job with a mold remediation company uh, as a salesman. And I went from Wall Street to mold remediation, and, and they were a little bit, a little bit suspicious. Um, and, but, I, but, I, but I was fascinated by this idea. I wanted to know how it worked. And this is before there were any standards. So what I did was I basically earned what I learned and uh, quickly saw that there were a bunch of thugs. I mean, mold remediation contractors back then were basically using chemicals instead of cleaning, and they were just ripping stuff out, often leaving homes worse than how they found them. Really? And so, uh, yeah, it was, it was terrible. And I felt really, I felt it, it, the, the opportunity presented itself. I didn't actually really, I just saw that there was a huge need to protect the consumer. Uh, to actually serve mm. as a buffer between the mold remediation contractors who are there actually doing harm, but overcharging people grossly. Um, and so I, re- I, I realized that all environmental hazards that have regulation have been regulated. Eventually, there was a Chinese wall between uh, th- th- there was a separation between uh, the remediation contractors and the inspectors. It's that way with asbestos and lead paint and everything else. And I figured that would be the case with mold. I didn't want to have to have all those guys out there. I didn't want to deal with the labor issues. I didn't want to deal with the liability. So I decided to start an inspection company, but I did it at for free for people at night. Um, and, uh, and I was just helping making, make sure that they weren't getting taken advantage of. And it was during that period that I, that I heard about a guy who trained a mold sniffing dog down in Florida. And I thought that was just crazy enough to be brilliant. Uh, and so I flew down to Florida to see if this was real. And, uh, within 15 minutes of seeing the dog in action, I thought this is not just real. This is incredible, um, incredibly accurate and so much fun. Um, they're, they're trained just the same way as bomb dogs or drug dogs. Um, but the reward is food and love. And uh, they, the game is they think we hid the mold. So when we train them, we do hide the mold, and then we reward them when they find it where we hid it. But then in buildings, they think we hid the mold in the buildings. <laughs> and so they think, they, they, think, they think we know where the mold is. And so we just give them treats wherever they alert. But they think that because they've been trained so much that they think that there's some sort of, you know, that they're actually finding something that we already, that we hid there, essentially, you know. Um, so it's a fun game. It's a go find the mold game. And um, boy, I'll tell you, you couldn't make mold inspections more entertaining. And people love it. Right. It was just it, it actually humanized my company. But I, I got the I got Oreo. Uh, Oreo is this little lanky, you know, black lab. She'd been on doggy death row two times. Um, and, yeah. she, and, and, and the guy who, who trained her, Bill Whitstein, uh, said that he always looks for dogs who need a job to stay out of trouble. Uh, and she was one of those dogs, you know, she, she, she had a lot of energy and he paired her with me, which you might notice I have a lot of energy too. And so, you know, he, he did a personality match. And so we, he sent me back up. I, I did not expect to buy a $15,000 dog, but I did. I came home with a dog. So here I am the youngest licensed broker uh, in history with a mold sniffing dog. My family thought I had lost my mind. Um, but as soon as they saw the dog in action, but my father started working for the company. And so, you know, it's, it's suddenly everyone started seeing, and it wasn't long before we, we, we uh, hit the ground all six legs and uh channel six action news heard about us and they uh they sent over a team to to um 
I thought they were coming to interview me. Turns out they were coming to debunk me. They thought I was a snake oil salesman. So they hid mold in the house and it took us like three minutes to find it. And so instead of debunking us, they actually endor <laughs> endorsed us. And I hadn't even set up a company yet. I wasn't ready for this, you know? And so suddenly I got all these calls from, from people from all over the place. I mean, I was, you know, it was immediate. Like Channel 6 Action News is local. But then I started getting calls from all over the place. The doctors referring patients to me that were having mysterious illnesses that couldn't couldn't be, you know, traced to or couldn't be couldn't be handled with, you know, traditional medicine. And so it was, it was just a this onslaught. And so I, I was basically, I learned the business through, you know, like it was trial by fire. You know, I just suddenly, next, you know, I've got a mold inspection company. And so, uh, but it was very rapid. And then one particular story that was a, a little girl who had been hospitalized a dozen times and her mom thought it was mold. We went in and all the doctors poo-pooed it. We went in and found mold and she got better um, right away. And so that really? turned into a Good Morning America episode. Uh, and then, then, the Extreme Makeover Home Edition. And of course, my phone just rang and rang and rang and rang. And that company, that mold inspection company became 1-800-GOT-MOLD. Um, and, uh, and so we did that for 20 years. And, uh, and, and through that process of, of serving, you know, however many thousands and thousands of families we did, uh, I, was, I was always troubled by the fact that the people who needed us the most couldn't afford us. So the average mold inspection yeah. through any reputable mold inspection company is going to be $1,000 or more. Yeah, um, you're right. And, and so it's cost prohibitive for most people, especially renters, and especially people who are, you know, uh, on the lower end of the socioeconomic spectrum. And so this is, this is, this is actually, you know, this is, we could do another podcast on how mold actually exacerbates and reinforces a poverty cycle. Um, because it, kids can't learn in moldy schools, they can't learn in moldy homes, they can't, the people have emotional dysregulations in their homes, this is, they, they can't get jobs if their kids, if they can't keep a job if their kids constantly having asthma attacks and, and going to the ER. And so this is, this is a perpetuates a poverty cycle that's very, very sad. So, so I decided that, and I also realized my parents could not, my own parents could not have afforded to hire the mold inspection company that I created to help families overcome this issue. And so yeah. I began a mission uh, that I started 15 years ago, actually, to create a do-it-yourself test kit that would actually use the same devices that we use professionally, uh, but reduced in cost and complexity so that it would be very consumer friendly. And so... Um, Fortunately, I mean, it's like I said, it's taken a very long time, but I was able to partner with the number one lab in the country, uh, M Lab PNK, who recently got bought, lab, bought by the biggest lab in the world, the biggest environmental microbiology lab in the world. Um, so we partnered with them. And, uh, and so what we did was we created a test kit that uses the same air sampling cassettes, which are known as aerosols, um, to, which are used to capture all sorts of airborne particulates, pollen and mold and everything else. Um, and then we created an air sampling pump, which duplicates a $1,000 pump. So uh, usually if you have somebody come and do an inspection, they come in with lots of tools. And one of the, one of the tools that they have is an air sampling pump, which collects these air samples. That's a $1,000 calibrated device. Uh, but we figured out how to make one for a lot less. Um, yeah. And so it's very consumer friendly and people buy our kit. They get this, they get to keep it and then allows them to retest again for free. Oh, not yeah, for free, for, for $50 less. So it's a, it's a, it's good for the planet. It's good for the people. And, and you know what? My parents could afford it. Uh, my parents could have afforded this. This is something that they probably not only could have afforded, they would have bought because the, if the, if the awareness around mold was, was even present back then. So, um, so it was my way of kind of bringing this full circle, you know? Um, and so that's our mission. Our mission is to, to empower people with the tools and knowledge they need to make better decisions about the air they breathe. So, so Jason, when someone orders the mold testing kit from you, and I, and I think they could order it whether they're renting an apartment or whether they own a home, which is fantastic because it's a small portable device. And I noticed on your website, which is phenomenal, I have to say, 
the video was so great. I loved watching the video and I loved reading all of the stories and the FAQ and the, and the blog. And so everything becomes crystal clear about what to do. And I also noticed that the kit, you put one, one device outside and the other device inside. So can you explain? So when someone is doing the test, why do they need to collect samples from both exterior and interior? So let's go back to mold 101. Okay. okay. So mold in its in its uh, natural, uh, it's it's mold mold job is to is to turn dead plant material back into dirt. That's mold's job. Okay. Oh. Mold's job is mold is the great decomposer. Okay. It's essentially the great recycler. Yeah. And so, uh, really? and so that in fact, kingdom fungi is 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 thirty percent of the Earth's biomass. Thirty percent. Um, and further to the, to this point that that we are literally living on a mold planet, um, and we're just we're just guests here. Um, Kingdom fungi produces fifty megatons of spores every year. Fifty megatons is the equivalent to five hundred thousand blue whales. Okay, so so spores are abundant on this planet. Uh, every breath you take, if you just take a breath right now, you'll be breathing in hundreds, if not thousands, of spores in one breath and without any ill effect. So in other words, mold spores are not a problem by themselves. You want them in your built in your buildings and in your environment. What you don't want is them growing in your building or your environment. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So, so there, the studies on this are very clear that a high biological diversity, in other words, lots of microbes, lots of different kinds of microbes in a building, the higher the microbial diversity, the lower the cases of asthma, allergies, and, and autoimmune disease. The opposite is also true. The lower biodiversity, which is usually caused by people using too many too many antimicrobials and, 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 and you know, spraying, especially post-COVID. Everybody wants to sanitize everything. But the, a, a healthy environment is clean and dry, but it's not sterile. Uh, and so when, when, you, when you reduce the microbial diversity because you're overzealous with your cleaning, too many uh, Clorox wipes and all these sprays and hand sanitizers, uh, what you see is a, v- a markedly higher incidence of asthma, allergies, yeah. Yeah, I've read disease. that. Yeah, You're so right. it's, it's it's a powerful lever, and so um, so the uh, the idea about the outside air sample is that mold is a normal part of your environment, and your mold spores indoors, your mold counts should look just like your outdoor air. A healthy building in any environment should yeah. look a lot like the outdoor air. If you've got different types of microbes in, indoors and different quantities, especially if you've got high concentrations of specific ones, that's a, that's a sign that you've got stuff growing in your building. If you've uh-huh. got microbes growing in your building, they only grow because of one reason, moisture. And so you've got a moisture problem, right? And so that's the real— water. Yeah. That's right. Either or, or high humidity. Uh, and, and to, you know, going back to that air conditioning um, situation, the reason that happens is because the AC unit was so oversized, it would cycle on and off quickly, but it would never, rem- it, so it could cool the building, but it would never reduce, remove the latent moisture from the air. It would not serve its secondary function, which uh-huh. is an air conditioning system is a dehumidifier. Um, air conditioners are dehumidifiers. They're giant dehumidifiers. And so if it, if it cycles on and off, but it's not actually 
bringing condensation, if it's not generating condensation, what you're doing is creating cold surfaces in the building, especially slabs, subfloors and things like that, right. where you'll get dew points. So you got a very humid environment and you're creating cold surfaces and voila, it's like a glass of cold water on a hot summer day. And so you get enough moisture, what they call water activity in, 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 in the in industri industrial parlance, right? Uh, water activity on a surface, you, you only need um, moisture for 24 to 48 hours for mold to grow. So this is another very, when I tell people this, they, their minds are blown. Mold growth can occur in 24 to 48 hours of dampness. So, so it's extremely important that people are vigilant about moisture problems. A mold problem is not a mold problem. This is the most important thing I can tell people. A mold problem is a moisture problem. Right. The yeah. problem is the moisture. Mold is the symptom. If you've it's got mold, water. Yeah. Or, or just humidity. Uh, you can re really just have, have – because if you just – all you need is surface moisture, and sometimes it happens when you can't even see it. So oftentimes we'll see mold growth behind furniture in basements. That's right. Where it's cool and damp, right? So it's not – it never got wet. No water ever came in, right? You don't see any signs of liquid water or what we call direct dampening. Um, and instead – or direct wetting. Um, what, what instead we see is that this is because essentially you've got extremely high humidity and a low temperature and you essentially have clouds, you know what I mean? It's like weather. Yeah. You, you have, yeah. you have, you have, you have a condensation forming on, on these surfaces and they're often the blind surfaces on the bottoms of drawers, backs of cabinets, these kinds of things where there's never been liquid water. Uh, but it's because of the uh, uncontrolled humidity. So dehumidif managing humidity is the key to a healthy home. You want to keep it between 40 and 60%. Um, the target is 45%. Much yeah. below that, you end up with cracks in your sinuses, in your in your mucous membranes, and you can get sick from that. It's not from... I know. The, too dry. And, and too dry. And then on the other yeah. side, above 60%, you end up with the proliferation of of other, other allergens like dust mites and things, of course, you also end up with the likelihood of condensation and then moisture issues that lead to mold. So moisture is the key here. This is a conversation about mold, but I always direct people back to moisture. It's all about moisture. Well, Joy, Jason, what about if someone has a contractor come and they they pull the dirt away from their foundation and they they do what's called like a liquid membrane or they attach more flashing or maybe do some air sealing there. If there are there some some DIY projects or home improvement projects that people could do if they own a, a house where they could prevent that moisture from seeping in through the ground? Because with climate change, you know, people that don't even live near the water may also be living in areas with a high where the water table is rising, and so what? Have you got any advice for people who? have cold, you know if they put their hand against the cement wall in the basement and it's cold and even though they're not seeing water their sense they get that musty smell maybe the window sills are starting to look a little icky feel a little damp what would your advice be for people well so there's a, there's a few things there um, okay. first of all um and we're, we'll jump ahead a little bit but we, i we, we created an ebook um, you can find it at our website, but also um, we produce a welcome page for your listeners, uh, which uh -huh. is gotmold.com slash payback. And, and on that page, we, we, we have our ebook, which is essentially a, a, a 
the do-it-yourself mold inspection guide. It's filled with inspection checklists and FAQs and things. It's a really good resource for anyone who's got these kinds of questions. And literally, you go, you if you follow that ebook, and many people do, and go through your house and follow the steps, you will learn more about your house than you've ever known. You, things you walk past every day will then potentially present themselves as 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 action items. And so you want to do things like make sure your gutters are dis- are discharging at least six to eight feet away from the from the building, if not if not further. You don't want to have sprinklers sprinkling directly against the foundation. It's true. Um, you know, the little things like advice. that are, are really big things. Um, and then, of course, you want to really get humidity gauges uh, and put them throughout the building. I like to have the central unit in my kitchen, and then the remote sensors throughout. So, especially in out of sight, out of out of out of, uh, out of sight, out of mind places like crawl spaces, um, attics. Yeah outside yeah. even so you know if you have to put a jacket to go get the newspaper but i i, like, I have a, like a weather center at my house so I, I know when there's a spike in humidity that there might be a problem down there that my dehumidifier isn't working uh that there might be a leak of some sort um i also use leak sensors hmm. so these are little little uh wireless sensors that you can right. place in areas where water tends to penetrate foundations and they will send off an audible alert and then oftentimes and then and then an alert to your phone um this is a very useful tool and it's so inexpensive compared to oh, the amount I've of I've had those. Very yeah, they useful. they are they are very useful. And Ring Camera now has those as an option. So so Jason, why don't we go back to step one? If you want to have a mold test on your house, the first thing you're going to do is call Jason. It's <laughs> www.gotmold.com. So why don't you just take a couple of minutes to tell everyone what to do once they order your product, and then we can wrap up with the discount code that you're going to give everyone when they mention Payback, which is named after my book and podcast. Uh, but I'll tell you, the Payback that you cannot put a, measure, a number on is your family's health. 100%. And so, yeah, absolutely. So, Jason, tell tell everyone what what they have to do if they want to order a mold test for the house they rent or live in. So the way the test kit works is you go to gotmold.com and you choose uh, one of the three configurations. So you can either get a one-room kit, a two-room kit, or a three-room oh, kit. I saw that, yeah. And uh, we're, we'll soon expand that to, to, to a four, five, and six-room. But for now, it's a one, two, and three-room kit. Um, and, uh, and when you order the kit, we suggest that you prepare, if you intend to test right away, we suggest that you prepare your house by closing up doors and windows so that you're actually testing the indoor air. Um, and you want to do that for two, three days if you can. Um, you know, it's a best efforts kind of thing. It's not like you need to keep the building hermetically sealed. Um, and you want to turn off HEPA filtered air cleaners. Uh, you want to, you know, you, the HVAC system is fine. You can let that run yeah. all day long. Uh, but you want to turn off anything that would artificially reduce uh, airborne particulate in your building. And uh, and then when you get the when you get the kit, it's very straightforward. You open it up. You read the the user guide. You you can use the ebook to do an inspection, or you, or you can simply identify areas that you want to test. We recommend testing in a complaint area, in other words, where you think that there might be a problem because of either a smell, a symptom, or uh, or or some sort of visual indicator. You know, some, some we always say if you see something, smell something, or feel something, do something. So you look for visual indicators. If you smell something or if you feel something, that's where you want to test first. And then if you if you've got a number of those areas, you would test all of those areas. And if you don't have a number of those areas, then you would also test uh, an adjacent non-complaint area. It's good to get contrast in the building so that you can see the room that you 
mm. you're concerned with, and then a room that you're not so concerned with, mm, um, and then the outside yeah. sample. And, and that way you get a data, you, you know, one data point is not actionable. Um, and But the comparison between the way our, our software works, and this is the way all professional mold testing using sport traps works is that it, there's a comparison between the outdoor air sample and the indoor air sample and what we're looking for are different types and quantities and when mm. we see that there's a higher quantity as i mentioned before a higher co concentration or a, or a or a higher quantity of and different kinds of molds indoors than outdoors then that's that's the red flag so the way it works is you take the the cassette out of the box there's a prepaid return mailer you actually open up the, the kit there's two boxes inside uh, one box has the air sampling pump which i showed you before the other box has a bunch uh, has the cassettes this is an outdoor cassette as you can see uh the cassette goes very neatly on the pump you, it's got a built-in five minute timer you press the button it runs for five minutes automatically turns off when you're done you put the cassette back in the box in the same slot from which it came and when you're finished collecting all the samples that same box is the return mailer it's a prepaid return mailer you just yeah. you just close the seal you drop it in the mail and when the lab gets it the turnaround time is three business days uh, and so when you get the report, it comes by email or by SMS, depending upon what preference, uh, what, what, what uh, preference you selected. Um, and the report is a very simple, but also a very thorough three-page report where you get a color-coded interpretation, green, yellow, orange, red, telling you what, to, what severity of what, what was found, uh, telling you the severity of what was found. And then also um, the lab data, which is nicely formatted to show you which molds are water damage indicators and which ones are common dominant spores. In other words, they're, they're normal in the environment. And then the third page gives you action steps and things that you can do, including a link to the ebook, which is for anyone who's early in their mold journey. It's a good step. It's free. Uh, and then also links to the trade associations, which train um, and certify mold inspectors and mold remediators. Uh, there's also a self-assessment tool called Hayward Score that we have a link to. So uh, so we oh, give people them. actionable next yeah. steps. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Bill, you probably know yeah, Bill. Bill Hayward, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's a great guy. Well, um, I, I have to... I have to say, because this is an audio recording, you have to watch the video on the website gotbold.com because the video is just magic. It's so easy. The packaging, getting the box, opening up, what to do, putting everything back into the box to mail back your sampling. It was just so, so well done. And there, I think there were sample reports on your website too. Indeed. So there's no surprises and I thought that your turnaround was pretty fast also because, you know, there are water samples and soil test samples. I, I will say they were much more expensive and uh, they take 10 days. So I think your price is reasonable. And um, anyway, so once somebody sends it back, then what would be the remediation steps? I mean, do, does your company still provide the removal services? No, uh, we, 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 we believe that's a conflict of interest. Um, oh, okay. Because, and there, there are true. companies in this yeah. space that do testing and that also do remediation or, or, or even sell the, the leads to remediation contractors. It's a practice we do not endorse. Uh, we, are, we are a no conflict of interest uh, company. And so our job is to give people data, actionable data. Now, the key is here, and this is an important, important thing to point out, is that no mold test kit is a replacement for a professional inspection. Uh, a professional inspection uh, is often a good idea after uh, an alert condition is detected with our kit. That's the reason being, advice. you still need to know the, 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 uh, the context of the actual conditions in the building 
in order to write a scope of work, in order to actually uh, develop see. a remediation plan. And so a mold inspector will – what we sell, what we tell people is that our test kit is designed for people who are unwilling or unable to spend $1,000 or more as the first step. So in other words, there's, there's, a, there's a huge gap in the market. There's $10 test kits at Home Depot and Lowe's. They're garbage. They don't work. They are <laughs> junk science. And then there's $1,000 and $1,500 mold inspections all the way on the other side of the spectrum. And in between, there's just so much confusing. There's just so much junk science, and it's confusing to the consumer. So what we decided to do was crack the spread and provide a really high-quality, low-cost solution that gives people a stepping stone in their mold awareness journey. And so oftentimes when people get alert conditions back, the best step is to actually have a professional come in and identify what the moisture source is. The bottom line is, again, a mold problem is a moisture problem. And so unless you have the ability and the experience to actually diagnose a moisture problem in your building, it's a good idea to get a professional to come in. And it's also a really good idea to not skip ahead to remediation without an inspector the same way you wouldn't use a cholesterol test, like a DIY cholesterol test, and then you get the results back and then schedule heart surgery, right? It's no different, really, because, because this is extremely disruptive, and you need to have a team approach with these kinds of things. We all have heard stories about people who go in to get surgery uh, on, on one, uh, get a leg <laughs> amputated, and they cut off the wrong one. Right. So <laughs> this happens often, often enough that doctors have them people sign their leg before they go into surgery, you know. So what we want to do is we want to have a little more guidance along the way, That's you know. True. And so a, a proper mold inspector who does not have a conflict of interest will guide you through that process and protect you the same way we endeavor to do with our yeah. customers in the very beginning with 1-800-GOT-MOLD. And so we equate it to a pregnancy test kit in the sense that you wouldn't start buying baby furniture just because it <laughs> says positive. You go to the doctor, you know. But a lot of people use this as a very proactive measure to determine whether or not their home is a problem. A lot of people bring it to their vacation homes and test because everyone knows that musty smell when you walk into a vacation home, right? People travel with our test kit. It's kind yeah. of funny, actually. Yeah, that is funny. Yeah. You know? But we have people buying them and using them quarterly or seasonally mm. and really getting proactive because for the price of one mold inspection, you can test four times, you know, using our kit. And I should also yeah. mention that once you buy a kit, as I mentioned before, you, you get to keep the pump and then you can buy replacement or refills to retest. And each one of those is $50 less. Yeah. So yeah. It, it just makes sense to keep the pump. And a lot of people actually lend it to friends. They lend it to their neighbors. You know, these things get around. Yeah. You know, I thought that was very generous of you to mention that on your website, that you could share the pump with your friends or neighbors. You have such high integrity. I mean, I love your whole business model and no conflict of interest. I mean... I'm just so thrilled we got a chance to have you on our show today. So just remind everyone where to go and what to do to get a discount if they do. Absolutely. First of all, thank you for the kind words, Anna. Oh, you're welcome. It's a real pleasure to be here. And I, as a professional who's you know been around the block, your kind words land oh. very well here. So thank I appreciate you. that. In order to get in touch with me, the best way is just to go to gotmold.com. If you want to message me, go to gotmold.com and the bottom of the homepage, there's a section there, contact us form. I see all of those. So if you've got mold questions, you can always ask questions there. And if I can't get to it, of course, you know, we've got a legendary customer service team. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. 
you can also ask questions if you'd like on social media. We're on Instagram at Got Mold. We're also on Facebook at Got Mold and LinkedIn at Got Mold. But for the purpose of this podcast, the best place to go is to go to gotmold.com slash payback. And that's where you'll find the ebook as well as the discount code, which again is payback10, which gives you 10% on any and all test kits. And that's in perpetuity. There's no expiration date on that. That's great. That's wonderful. Okay. So again, the place to go is www.gotmold. And we have been speaking with Jason Earle, the founder of the company and creator with a wonderful outlook on life. It's been great. You know, no pun intended, but Jason, you're a breath of fresh air. Thanks. Thank you, Anna. <laughs> okay. Take care. Thanks. Thank you for joining us today on the Live in a Home That Pays You Back podcast. We hope you tune in again where we'll share more insider secrets so you get the absolute most out of your home. Check out Anna D. Simone's award-winning book, Live in a Home That Pays You Back. Available at Amazon and major booksellers in print, audio, and ebook. For more information, visit AnnaDSimone.net. If you like what you heard, remember to follow Live in a Home That Pays You Back and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.